By the end of the year, that glimmer of hope had turned dimmer. It must have been around December 1991 that Ming Kunai was taken out of his cell, put on trial, sentenced to 20 years in prison by a military tribunal, and placed back in his cell. The same thing was done to me in March 1992. In theory, my sentence was seven years, but it excluded the three-year period that I had already served as a detainee. So in practice, my sentence was ten years. Please don't ask me what charges I was found guilty of. Needless to say, we, the political prisoners, were simply scapegoats. The tribunal judge who convicted me was a military engineer, Lieutenant Colonel San Aung, whom I have met while I was in the army. Now that I had officially become a convict, I was permitted to receive periodic visits. <coughs> Unlike other inmates, there was a small separate room in inside prison for the special ward occupants and some particular political prisoners to receive their visitors. To prevent any physical contact, there was an inset screen panel separating an inmate and his or her visitors. I think the first time I was allowed to receive any visitor was early April 1992. By then, I had not seen my family for two years and eight months. At first, I did not recognize my elder son, who had grown much bigger since I last saw him. With tears welling up in her eyes, my wife had to remind me that it was Jew. He was now a young man of almost 17, looking vastly different from how I remembered him as a boy. Our youngest son, Mili, was now 16 years old. Our youngest daughter, Chit, was six. Almost three years ago, when I was first detained, she was a toddler. Now she had already started school. On this bittersweet occasion, we were missing our older daughter, June. She was not able to join us as she had already left for Singapore. I don't exactly remember what we as family members talked about or said to each other. We were in the presence of a prison guard and an intelligence officer. They were not only audio taping, but also taking notes of our conversations. With no privacy afforded, I could not freely enjoy the very first visit of my family. Such emotional discomfort was very much a part of life in prison. Another episode etched in my memory was a visit by my little daughter, Chit, when she was about seven. As we had not seen one another for quite some time, we were both thrilled at this opportunity. I was enjoying her non-stop chatter. Of course, between us facing each other, there stood a barrier. As I mentioned previously, it was an inside screen window panel made of metal wire mesh. While talking, she was touching the panel with her palm. At some point, a loose piece of wire somewhere on the screen must have pricked her palm. She started poking at that spot while she continued talking. After a little while, her forefinger protruded to my side of the screen through the small hole she has just punctured. Excited at her achievement, she uttered, Pee, I got it, I got it. When I held her tiny forefinger, she became overjoyed. My little girl started laughing heartedly, jumping up and down. A couple of weeks later, when I went to that room, I saw that the wire mesh screen was gone. It had been replaced with a clear glass panel. In my discussion on the fate of three NLD youngsters and Google 9 KNU in connection with the wild refinery bombing, I mentioned Senior General Solomon's ouster on medical grounds and general tension assumption of the slaws 
chairmanship in April 1992. On 24 April 1992, the new chair's laws declared, of the person arrested and detained politically, those for whom there are no reasons for to endanger the security of the state will be released promptly. Essentially, it meant that in the regime's view, those prisoners who did not pose a threat to its hold on power would be released shortly, and those of us who might challenge or undermine its legitimacy must remain in custody. The following day, 25th April 1992, we in the special ward got to hear of the much-talked-about declaration. The following morning, 26 April, we learned from the prison staff that two senior NLD members, Uchi Kain and Ushui, had just been released. The news gave us so much hope that we were expecting our freedom any day now. After almost three years in prison, of course, I wanted to go home. One day, a prison guard walked past my cell and said, Uwintain, you'll be released tomorrow. I just could not wait to go home. I became too excited to eat properly that day. Tossing and turning, I lost much sleep that night. Early in the morning, I was sorting out my things, things to leave in prison and things to take home. While packing up, I was dreaming of what I would do once I got home. At breakfast time, a prison star came to bring me porridge as usual. He did not say anything about my release. I started to feel a little down. Then lunch time came. Nothing happened. No sign of my release. Unlike other days, I did not even see any intelligent stuff passing by. Then came dinner time and nightfall. And I realized that it was their intention to rub salt into my wound. To be honest, I felt dejected. Well, I was not released. But the authorities started to gradually re release many political prisoners from various facilities across the country in line with the 24th April 1992 declaration. Following the release of prisoners, the international pressure on Slog eased to some degree, but nobody else in the special ward was included in such release. We were special indeed. In an attempt to gain some legitimacy, the military regime started holding the National Convention on 9th January 1993 in Rangoon. From the outset, it had been problematic. Especially contentious was the number, proportion, and category of delegates selected to take part in the convention. There were a total of 702 delegates in eight categories as follows. Political parties, 49 delegates. Those who won the 27 May 1990 elections, 107. Indigenous ethnic minority groups, 250 numbers. Peasants, farmers, 93. Workers, laborers, 48. Intellectuals and technocrats, 41. Civil servants, including military and police, 92. Other invitees, 57. Total, 702. As indicated above, out of a total of 702 delegates, the MPs elected represented in the convention numbered 107, only 15.24%. Out of those 107 MPs elect, only 83 were from the NLD. Out of the 49 delegates from 10 political parties, only 5% were from the NLD. The total number of the NLD delegates to the National Convention was 88, 12.53% out of a grand total of 702 delegates. Let me reiterate here, in the 27 May 1990 election, 
the NLD secured 392, 80.82% out of 485 seats. Out of the total 485 seats contested, 15 seats, 3.1% were won by women, all representing the NLD. For a party that won 80.82% in the elections, its representation quota in the National Convention, merely 12.53%, was just too small. Dear readers, I shall leave it to you to judge how, to judge how fair or democratic the convention could be.